Hello, welcome to Dungeon Delving. I'm Brandon Wagner, and today I'm delving into adventuring in the Arctic, or Antarctic, or high up in the mountains, anywhere that's really, really cold. Uh, I'm not really going to touch too much on the Plain of Ice, which is a region of the elemental plains that sits on the border between the elemental plains of water and air. Uh, I'll come to that one specifically a little more when I do elemental planes, but for today we're talking about the prime material plane in the really, really cold regions. Um, so in the Dungeon Master's Guide, you have some effects for, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like hazards in the wilderness and weather hazards. And it gives us extreme cold, strong wind, high altitude, thin ice. Those are things we're going to talk about today. Frigid water as well. Um, now, the way these things are presented in the DMG is not terribly hard to overcome. So the extreme cold is if the temperature is at or below zero degrees... A creature exposed to the cold must succeed on a DC-10 constitution saving throw at the end of each hour or gain a level of exhaustion. Creatures with resistance or immunity to cold damage automatically succeed, as do creatures wearing cold weather gear. And creatures naturally adapted to cold climates. So, it's not that, not, really not that hard to overcome. You know, you can just dress warmly. Um, strong wind is something I think that could absolutely show up in the uh, Arctic areas with strong wind imposing disadvantage on ranged weapon attacks and perception checks that rely on hearing. It also extinguishes open flames, disperses fog, makes flying by non-medical means nearly impossible, and it can create a sandstorm in the desert that imposes disadvantage on checks that rely on sight. I think if you're adventuring in a snowy region, you could have strong wind be your blizzard, and that, again, does the same thing as the sandstorm, imposing disadvantage on sight checks. What else do we have that I think fits high altitude if you're up in the mountains? If you're at or above 10,000 feet, creatures that need to breathe have uh, some issues. Now, traveling... Counts as two hours, the person determining how far you can travel, so you're traveling at half speed, basically. And if you spend 30 days or more, you become acclimated. But you can't become acclimated to, to above 20,000 feet unless you're native. Um, and then we have frigid water as a wilderness hazard. Uh, being immersed in frigid, frigid water, you can be in it for a number of minutes equal to your constitution score before suffering any ill effects. So if you're like a barbarian, you can be in frigid water for 20 minutes and then and be fine. Well, 19 minutes and be fine. <laughs> well, 20 minutes would be fine too because it's equal to, not anymore. Um, each additional requires a DC, minute requires a DC constitution saving throw or gain a level of exhaustion. If you have resistance or immunity or adapt to it, then you automatically succeed. So, again, not terribly difficult to overcome. If you're, a again, a barbarian, you have 19 or 20 constitution, <clears throat> and you're proficient in constitution saving throws, then you're more than likely to succeed all of your throws. 
it's very unlikely that you're going to fail one. You know, even if you, I think you'd have to roll a one because if you you have plus five constitution and you're proficient, you're going to have a, depending on your level, you're looking at likely a plus, at least a plus six to your constitution saving throw if you're level like one and your uh, proficiency bonus is only plus, oh no, it starts at plus two. So you're looking at at least a seven if you have high enough constitution. So you need to roll a three or lower to fail. Or no, a two or lower, because I think, if I'm remembering correctly, you know, uh, the roller succeeds on a tie, I believe. But, um, it's just, it, it, it seems to me that the ill effects of the cold <clears throat> are not terribly difficult to overcome if your character is, you know, not a low, doesn't have, like, really low constitution. Um, They also have for us thin ice and slippery ice. Slippery ice requiring a DC 10 dexterity check to not fall prone when they move on the ice for the first time in a turn. I've used ice before in a few different uh, encounters. I had my players up in the mountains fighting a, a beer hag, a, a beer hag, a burr hag, the ice hag. <laughs> and they, uh, the, the hag turned the ground to ice, and they had to deal with that while they were um, adventuring. And then, uh, the thin ice, however, is, has a weight tolerance of 3d10 by 10 times 10 pounds per 10 foot square area. So you roll it. So it might be really, really, you might roll all ones and 30 pounds in a 10 foot square area will break it. And that's not much. That's something that I would, I don't think I would ever roll that. I think I would decide ahead of time how much weight the ice can take for narrative purposes. That way too, as a DM, you're, you have more control over the situation. Alternatively, you could map out a frozen lake and make it a grid and ahead of time roll each section. And then you have this randomly generated ice patch that your players have to cross. And uh, have to deal with that. And then um, you could do thin slippery ice. So your players are not only trying to cross this possibly randomly generated ice patch, but they might fall while they're doing so. And I would say that if they fall, their weight counts as double for that second when they impact, so it's more likely that they'll fall through. Adventuring in the Arctic has a lot of hazards that you can play with, but like I said, I feel like the way they're just presented in the DMG is very, very basic and not terribly difficult to overcome. Um, what do I want to say about this? 
it's up to you as the DM to decide if that easy to overcome environmental hazard is something that you want to keep in the game as it is, or if you really want to put a lot of pressure on your players using that environment. Um, I would absolutely be like, all right, you guys are all dressed up in heavy clothes, so it's going to be harder to fight and it's going to be harder to travel. Um, your, I like your travel speed, I would say is halved. If you're, if you're keeping track of travel speed, which is something that you should, that I think you should do. Um, if you're fighting, I would say, uh, you lose proficiency bonus maybe because you're all you're in heavy clothes that you're not used to fighting in. Um, one of the things that I like to do is if a player is doing something they're not used to, take away that proficiency bonus, but give them the ability to become proficient, to get that back, I guess. So as your players are traveling through this Arctic environment and they're all bundled up, initially, if they've if your player if none of your characters your players' characters have ever been in these kinds of environments before, then I would say, yeah, you you lose your proficiency bonus when you're making attack rolls because you're not used to maneuvering in all that heavy gear. And as you fight, as you spend a lot of time in that gear and get into more fights wearing all that gear, then absolutely I would say, yeah, you can earn that back by spending time doing this. Um, I would let my players spend downtime practicing fighting in their in their gear um, to try to earn that back. But that's just an extra level of this is not a friendly environment. It's a hostile environment. You know, it's not a place where you're going to have an easy time doing things that you might already be good at. Um, As for monsters, the creatures that dwell in these Arctic environments are specialized for it and some of them some of the more powerful ones have the ability to impose their effects on it so you can take this already uh hostile environment and make it more so with the creatures that live there i've got the arctic encounter tables pulled up in xanathar's guide and they've got some really cool stuff in here both for encounters with monsters and also non-monster encounters, which I've talked about before, how great they are. Uh, for like level 17 to 20, you've got uh, an adventurer frozen six feet under the ice. 50% chance the corpse has a rare magic item. You've got a 500-foot-tall wall of ice that is 300 feet thick and spread across 1d4 miles. So just the wall from Game of Thrones. You can just find it. <laughs> Uh, the likeness of a stern woman with long flowing hair carved into the side of a mountain. Uh, maybe that's a local burr hag who, in her vanity, carved her face on the wall. Of course, you've got dragons and yetis and frost giants, rocks and remorizes. Remorhazes? I don't know how to say that monster's name. Um, but if you really want to kick off adventures in... The Arctic, if your players are traveling there for something else and you want to kind of, you know, give them side quests or something, having a, a ancient white dragon that lives there could be pretty, pretty freaking great. I've talked, to, I talked a couple weeks ago about how much I love regional effects. And I've got the white dragon page pulled up in front of me. They've got, 
you know, chilly fog obscuring the land within six miles of the dragon's lair. So unless, so if you're like rolling up weather for the day, if you aren't rolling high winds, you've got that low visibility. And if you really want to keep that aspect of the dragon's lair, then I would say, you know, when the wind kicks up, the fog goes away, but it kicks up all the snow. So you keep that um, low visibility while you're traveling, making it, you know, easier to get lost. Uh, freezing precipitation falls within six miles of the dragon's lair, forming blizzard conditions when it's at rest. So exactly that exactly what I just said with the with the fog. You know, you can have your white dragon, the region around it, be just hard that you can't see where you're going. It's easy to get lost, and that can really uh, put a lot of pressure on your characters. One of the things I like to do. I like the I like doing with ancient dragons is having them harry players while they're traveling, trying to find its lair. Because dragons are smart and they're gonna know when intruders are in their re, in their uh, homeland, the area around their lairs. And if you've got players that are trying to find this white dragon's lair, or maybe they aren't, maybe they just happen to get too close to it. Well, they're traveling through the Arctic. So you're putting all these, uh, you're already putting pressure on them because they're traveling in these adverse cold conditions. And now they are in the region that this white dragon controls. And they can't, there's always fog. And when there's not fog, there's wind and rain and blizzard conditions. And it's just miserable. And it becomes harder and harder to keep going the way that they want to be going and they they find themselves lost they're wandering through this foggy snowy white landscape and trying to get their bearings and now they're also being harried by this ancient white dragon who comes down and maybe engages them for a couple rounds before flying away um you know, testing their strength, trying to figure out, can I eat these intruders? Are they going to pose a threat to me? What am I going to do? And you just, at this point, you as the DM are just piling on to your players and just piling all these adverse, crappy conditions on them and making their lives miserable. And honestly, anybody who lives somewhere where it gets really cold, maybe not Arctic, but where it gets very cold can uh, relate, I guess, to how crappy getting around, even like walking the dog in really cold weather with a lot of snow is. And that's something that you can kind of channel. Um, Hags also have regional effects for their layers when they're powerful. Uh, with the beer hag or ice hag having, you know, avalanches of snow intermittently falling, um, blocking paths and burying intruders, human-sized blocks of ice, um, containing frozen corpses, the corpses breaking free and attacking as zombies, uh, blizzards coming without warning once every 2d12 hours and lasting for 1d3 hours. Uh, reducing, it reduces visibility and halves travel speed, 
roads and roads and paths twist and turn back on themselves, making navigation difficult. So the hags, the theme I'm seeing between the hag and the white dragon is finding your way when you're near these creatures' layers is not easy. And if you're already making traveling, moving around at all, difficult because you're in this adverse cold environment and now you're making it easier to get lost, you can really instill in your players a sense of hopelessness to a degree. Hopelessness. And you're just... Yikes. (laughs) You're going to make things really rough for your players. Alternatively, if you really want to have like frost giants, your players are traveling through the Arctic and they find themselves in the frost giants' hunting grounds. That's... uh, not a place you want to be. Frost giants are an inherently evil group of giants, and they uh, like to hunt and kill people. Excuse me. Uh, I had a late night last night. Um, having your players find, you know, they ha- they stumble upon a group of frost giants butchering a mammoth that they felled, or a young frost giant proving itself fighting a remoras you know you've got these these different kinds of encounters with these giants you can come up with and maybe you have giants fighting trolls because the frost giants have a weird relationship with trolls um i'll probably get into that details of that relationship a little bit more later on but uh trolls are something you could have in that cold region i don't, I don't know if yeah, they have trolls on some of these encou- Arctic encounter tables. Trolls are a creature you could absolutely put in there. They can regenerate. Um, they're vulnerable to fire damage. You know, uh, they're not going to want to live where there's a lot of fire. They're going to live where it's cold. Um, having a player that can use fire magic or has a magic weapon that deals fire damage would absolutely be super useful for your party when adventuring in these Arctic places because. The monsters here are weak to fire, and being able to make fire to keep warm is a good thing. Um, when you're adventuring in the Arctic, having your players u- using that exhaustion mechanic is, like I said, it's really hard to get that first one because that's not a super hard DC. But if I'm remembering correctly, and I'll pull it up here a second to make sure I am. The, uh, I don't have my player's guide on me, but, um, the first level of exhaustion gives you disadvantage on saving throws. So if you fail once, it becomes easier and easier to fail and it's, it's going to be tough to keep going. Arctic environments are, they're kind of samey. They're just ice, snow, rocks, whatever. But you can you can shape them. You can look at real world, different like kinds of Arctic environments. You know, you can have think like northern Canada or Alaska in North America. You can think uh, Siberia in Russia. You can think the Antarctic, and kind of build them that way. If your player, if you want to theme it after the Antarctic, maybe there's. Uh, lots of penguins and 
maybe some white dragons that live there, but nothing else. It's just bleak and empty. Whereas if you are theming it more off of North America and the, the Arctic rather than the Antarctic, you've got uh, giant herds of caribou, polar bears. Uh, maybe this is where the dragons would live. The dragons that live there are hunting these herds of caribou, uh, mammoths up there. Just have this environment be much more teeming with life. Like it's still not, it's still cold and unforgiving, but it's full of life and it's can, it, it, it builds that, uh, I'm trying to find the word for it. Sorry, I'm having a brain fart here. It, you're building a, a picture of an environment where, yeah, it's tough to live there, but it's not this empty, dead, dreary place. And I feel like when we're making these Arctic adventures, that's what we tend towards, is just these stark, white landscapes full of nothing. And the only things that we put in it are our... uh. The the place the thing the places that are important to the characters, you know, you build there's a there's a wizard living in a tower in the midst of this Arctic place like this rhyme wizard, and your players have to get to him. And while they're traveling to get to him through this Arctic wasteland, there's nothing there. It's just ice and snow and cold. And then they find the tower. But there's a lot of potential, I think, for making these environments teeming with life and giving them more character than just being cold and snowy and icy. And if you're starting to put in, you know, having your, this part of your Arctic region is the frost giants hunting grounds. This part is where the beer hag lives and torments the, uh, natives villages. You know, that could be a whole thing. think like having Eskimos or Inuit people that live up there. And maybe if you're thinking like a high altitude, cold environment, you've got Goliaths, you know, uh, but, and there's a, a burr hag that lives in the mountains that's messing with them all the time and making their lives miserable. Um, if you want to do, if you're thinking more Arctic, maybe you're over water, there's whales popping up, you're trying to navigate ice flows while there's killer whales and polar bears harrying your way. Uh, maybe there's a kraken encased in ice. That's something you could find. Like you're traveling in this Arctic environment and you just happen upon this glacier that has, you can see the shadowy form of some of a kraken in there and it's alive and waiting for global warming to let it out so it can torment the world again. Um, having these different, I guess, creature-based to an extent areas in your Arctic environment makes it much more alive. And there's there's no reason that the Arctic has to be just this big, cold, dead region. Speaking of dead, undead. Maybe that's what you have. You know, if you're going with an Antarctic cold region, your players go to this southern continent that's just ice, and there's nothing there but penguins. But as they travel deeper, they find ancient temples teeming with undead that are from this ancient time before it was cold. You know, that's something that you can do to really push that this is not a hospitable place. The living don't 
come here because it's dead. You know, and that's kind of like a World of Warcraft thing with uh, Kel'Thuzad and the, the Lich King having kind of an icy theme to them. And it's, there's a reason that they did that. It's because it's very fitting. Ice is cold and dead. And if you want to have your Arctic region not be alive and full of the living, then have it be full of the dead, you know. Um, that's something you can do with any inhospitable region. And I guess Game of Thrones, too, with the White Walkers. You know, the, the cold region is where these living dead or undead creatures come from. Um, I think that's all I got for my Arctic regions brainstorm. <laughs> this episode was a little less planned than some of my previous ones. I kind of was thinking to myself, you know, let's just let's just freeform and brainstorm this in real time. So, sorry it's a little all over the place, but that's the way I do this podcast. It's it's, it's made to be a freeform train of thought kind of just brainstorming ideas for this particular subject when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons. But that's all I got for today. We'll see you guys next week. Keep on delving.